Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading 2 Corinthians. Now, last time we read chapter 12. In chapter 12, Paul is continued. He's speaking to the Corinthians, explaining to them, and con- com- basically comparing and contrasting. Um, he's been doing this for a couple of chapters um, that you know, himself to these so-called super apostles that are really, they are false teachers. They are false um, apostles. And in chapter 12, he specifically at the end says that he is kind of, you know, he's worried um, for the Corinthians. He's the people at Corinth. He's worried for this congregation that they... Um, he may find them to still have, you know, strife and jealousy and and disputes and, you know, and disorder. And that he really, you know, he really is worried about them spiritually. And that's, it's important to him. So, um, and that's what he's trying to get through to them too, is that, you know, besides, you know, talking about his ministry and how he is a true apostle, He's also worried that they're taking in these false doctrines and these false teachings, and he's worried that for them spiritually, for themselves, and as a congregation, how they're doing. So now we are ready in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the final chapter, so 2 Corinthians has flown by. <clears throat> so we're going to read this. I'm going to have I'm going to need to um do kind of a review and a summary uh, i don't think this will be as intense as some of the others but i still need to do that i feel like that helps us and i hope that helps you and you know you can always let me know via like facebook or uh, if you're listening to this on youtube you can let me know in the comments there if it's not useful but i i feel like having those summaries to tie it all up at the end is helpful I'm trying to learn as much as I can from all this, and I hope, you know, at the same time, I'm hoping that <clears throat> you and others can, can learn from this as well. All right. <clears throat> Pardon me. A little froggy there. All right. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. This is the third time that I am visiting you. Every fact shall be sustained and confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have already warned those who have sinned in the past, and all the rest as well, and I warn them now, even though I am absent from you, as I did when I was with you the second time, that if I come back I will not spare anyone, since you seek forensic proof that Christ is speaking in and through me. He is not weak or ineffective in dealing with you, but powerful within you. For even though he was crucified in weakness, yielding himself, yet he lives, resurrected by the power of God his Father. For we too are weak in him, as he was humanly weak, yet we are alive and well in fellowship with him, because of the power of God directed toward you. Now if we look at what Paul has just said, this is, this is very powerful, very true. Um, now they are seeking some forensic, some special proof that 
Christ is speaking in and through Paul. Now they've already seen miracles and, and wonders that he has performed through the power of God, so I'm not sure what their issue is there unless it's just that their minds have been polluted by these false teachers. But <clears throat> I was just noting these verses here, verse uh well really it's just one verse, it's just kind of a long verse. Um you know, Jesus was crucified in weakness, in human weakness. You know, Jesus was crucified. Or, I mean, I in my mind, he was very strong uh, spiritually to take on what he did for all of us. To take on, you know, all that uh, abuse and, and to, to give himself for all of us. For his friends and for all of us. That was... Uh, to me, he was very spiritually strong, but yes, Paul is saying, you know, he's crucified in weakness, in human weakness. He, he gave himself up, yet he lives resurrected by the power of God, his Father. And then Paul makes that comparison, for we too are weak in him, as he was, humanly weak, were, see, that way, you know, Jesus understands our human frailties, our weaknesses, and we too, we have those same human weaknesses and frailties, yet we too are alive through Jesus, through the power of God. So, so just as Jesus gave himself, when we believe in Jesus and we, you know, we go through baptism, we too become we too become like Jesus in that we are not, you know, not that we're perfect or anything like that, but just that, like Jesus, we become a child of God. Um, we are put back into God's family where we're supposed to be. So, yet we are alive and well in fellowship with Him because of the power of God directed towards you. So, and this comes through Jesus and his sacrifice. So, anyway, <clears throat> verse 5, Test and evaluate yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves, not me. Now he's getting on to them a little bit. You know, judge yourselves. Don't be judging me, you know. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves? by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit. But I hope you will acknowledge that we do not fail the test nor are we to be rejected. But I pray to God that you may do nothing wrong, not so that we and our teaching may appear to be approved, <clears throat> but that you may continue doing what is right even though we, by comparison, may seem to have failed. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth and the gospel, the good news of salvation. We are glad when we are weak, since God's power comes freely through us, but you, by comparison, are strong. We also pray for this, that you be made complete, fully restored, growing and maturing in godly character and spirit, pleasing your Heavenly Father by the life you live. Here again he is he is encouraging them and trying to get them to live good, godly lives, just like before he was worried about them. You know, now he's encouraging them <coughs> and, um, you know, pushing them a little bit. 
For this reason, I am writing these things while absent from you, so that when I come, I will not need to deal severely with you in my use of the authority which the Lord has given me to be used for building you up and not for tearing you down. So he's hoping, you know, he's hoping by telling these telling them these things ahead of time and teaching them that he will not need to, you know, fuss with them or deal with them severely, you know. He will not have to take the rod to them, so to speak. And, uh, you know, he wants to build them up. That's his whole purpose. He wants to build them up as a group and as, as individuals, as Christians. As Christians following our Lord and God. Finally, believers, rejoice. Be made complete. Be what you should be. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. Enjoy the spiritual well-being experienced by believers who walk closely with God. And the God of love and peace, the source of loving kindness, will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now this was just a traditional greeting back then, much like we do handshakes. That's for some reason that was a traditional greeting in in this area of the world. So that's just something that was done. You might you might remember seeing on TV and in movies, you might remember seeing like Italians do that a lot still. Um, I don't know if the Greeks still do. Maybe they do. Maybe old Greek families still do that. All God's people greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that is the end of his letter. And I think it's really important that we look at his final comment to them, or you might call it instruction, um, or even, you know, anyway, in verse 11, finally believers rejoice. Now, he says this to them. Now, we can very seriously take this to ourselves and apply this to ourselves. Be made complete. Be what you should be. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. Enjoy the spiritual well-being experienced by believers who walk closely with God. And the God of love and peace, the source of loving kindness, be with you. We have it much easier than they did. We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. We can easily find ways to read, listen, study, hear others speak on it. I mean, there's all these things we can do that they could not do. It was harder for them back then to follow God, to learn the Word of God, to study and meditate these things. They had to go a lot farther out of their way I can go out, at least in the United States, and I think I think most of the world is this way, though, though I know not all the world is, okay? Uh, to be fair, I know all the world is not, but I think a lot of the world is this way. I can go out and buy a Bible at any time if I don't have one. I can go find one and buy one. And there are places and people who will give you one for free. And you can go to your library and pull one out. So there's all these options. And uh, they didn't have that back then. We have it a lot easier. So there's no, there's really very little excuse for us not to be walking closely with God, to not be trying to be closer to God. That was my whole point. Sorry, I kind of droned on there. It took a little minute. But, but getting there, there's really, we have little, little to no reason for not being close to God and to not be seeking after God and learning about 
the Lord and how to be and how to be good Christians. So, but he was encouraging them again to be good Christians, you know. And that is the end of his the Second Corinthians. Yep, that is the end of Second Corinthians chapter thirteen. So I'm going to do a summary for this uh, epistle, as I've done for the others, and then we're going to move on to Galatians. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day, and remember, God loves you.